Welcome and good day. I am Maria Cristalli and I serve as President and CEO of Hillside and the host of Conversations with the CEO, Hillside's podcast series. Today, I'd like to welcome two guests. They're no strangers to the team at Hillside. Marsha Whitley is our director of the Institute for Family Connections, and she has been part of the Hillside team for over 15 years now. And Tess Mankin-Weatherspoon, manager of the Institute of Family Connections, and Tess is just celebrated 44 years of service at Hillside. We're so very grateful that she's been part of the team. Welcome, Marsha. Welcome, Tess. Thank you for joining me today. So at Hillside, our vision is youth and families overcoming challenges to heal and thrive in their communities. At Hillside, we know the secret to successful children thriving in communities is a stable family. The Institute for Family Connections works with hundreds of children and families and strategic partners each year in New York State. And today, we'd like to highlight the good work that's going on. And part of the Institute for Family Connections is not only providing services, but training and technical assistance to strategic partners, but also heartwarming stories of children that have been united with family members. Marsha, let's start with you. Why don't you talk about some of the services that the IFC offers to families and and partners. Perfect. Maria, thank you for having us today. We are so excited to talk about um, permanency. We have been, um, we think about permanency as the heartbeat of the um, organization. Maybe that's just our thought, but that's what we feel. And just a little bit about the, the IFC, Institute for Family Connections. It was established in 2011 to ensure that the agency has a strong and consistent voice on permanency. A decade later, we are in 13 counties across various regions. Maria made mention of it um, earlier that we serve hundreds of families. And the last time we, we, we looked into it, around 550 annually that we serve. Some of the services that we have in our, in our IFC, as we would say, is we provide family finding training that Tess would speak on a little bit later. Uh, we do coaching case consultation for Hillside staff, but also some external partners as well. We have permanency specialists um, within our organization working in our various regions to help support the permanency work, but we also have permanency specialists in other counties as well, Onondaga County specifically and Monroe County as well. We have three Wendy's Wonderful Kids worker, recruiter I should say, that works on um, finding um, um, placement for children. We also have what we call the RPRC. We use a lot of acronyms here um, in the Institute, but Regional Permanency Resource Center that work with um, individuals for pre and post adoptive work. We recently had, we have two contracts around recruitment of foster parent, recruitment and training in Onondaga County, as well as Cortland. Cortland is, is, is relatively new, um, just extended our contract this past, the last month, so we're really excited about that. And we also have um, an adoption program in Erie County as well, and we were awarded two years ago, a kinship caregiver program from um, Office of Children and Family Services. So as you can see, the theme is around permanency, 
all that we do is making sure that children um, are connected and feel safe and secure and uh, and supported. Maria, also I want to just highlight a little bit around Family First, so Family First Prevention Services Act that is uh, a, went into effect um, a, a year and a half now in in New York State. It was. It was approved in 2018, but New York State um, received a waiver, um, a delay in services. So we started our family first work in September 29th of 2020. Can't believe that we're there already. And but what it really tells us is that children needs permanent um, arrangements. And so in terms of us being a permanency arm of the organization, it now we we, we joke in our in, in our department that it now gives us a, a, a go ahead and a green light to do the work that we want to do, that everybody's speaking the same language and moving forward. So it's a brief overview of who we are. We're excited to be here and to talk more about what we do. That, Marcia, is fantastic and fantastic that you've highlighted the considerable growth and the vision of the Institute for Family Connections and that, you know, Hillside, we really were ahead of some of the changes that are required by the the, uh, federal government and certainly the implementation of Family First Prevention Services Act in New York State, but our, our vision is clear. Children belong and thrive in families, and family work to be sure a child at any age, whether that child is young, an adolescent, or in early adulthood, thrives with connections to their families. Tess, I wonder if you could speak to, Marcia mentioned some of the training and and technical assistance that the IFC provides to Uh, other organizations internal to Hillside, if you could speak to some of that work that you have been leading. Sure, Maria. Um, I've been involved with the Institute for Family Connections and doing training since the very beginning, since it started, I think, in 2011. And um, we worked with Kevin Campbell, who's considered the founder or developer of the family finding model. And uh, we developed our own curriculum with um, feedback and input from Kevin. And we've been training um, agencies and counties across New York State and also across the United States. We've done training in Canada and in other states um, uh, providing information on family uh, finding. Um, we've also updated our family finding training to include information on how the f- how family finding can be used to support the mandates of the Family First Act, which really mandate family first. Kids need to be with families. And uh, we know that when children are disconnected from their families, there's terrible consequences if they don't um, have that support of a loving, caring adult. And that's really what we do. Uh, The family finding training is all about training people on how to really do a diligent search, um, really look uh, far and wide. And we teach people tools that they can use to locate and engage family members for children who are in the system who've been disconnected from their families um, and are in need of uh, more supportive adults in their lives. Well, you know, I I think it would be terrific to hear uh, Tess maybe from you and or Marsha about some of those stories, those heartwarming stories of children that have found family members and go on to live connected uh, with their family in permanent settings. So I wonder if you could share some of those with us. Sure. Uh, One, we we find family near and far, and part of the... um, one of the part of the efforts in family finding is to make sure you've looked 
on both sides of the family, paternal and maternal side, and explored all the relatives and also uh, fictive kin, people who are like family, uh, might not be blood relatives, but someone who has a, a, a relationship with the child or had a relationship with the child in the past. Uh, one story that sticks out to me is a story of three girls who were referred to Hillside. Um, they were f referred by the county. Um, they were um, placed in county care into their foster care system um, after their mother was arrested and uh, they had no relatives in the area. And they came into they came to into care at Hillside. Two of the girls were placed placed in Hillside's therapeutic foster care program, and one sister was placed here on Hillside's Monroe campus. Um, their mother um, was facing some fairly serious charges and um, was found uh, ended up having to be incarcerated and was sentenced to an extended incarceration. And there were no relatives. Uh, uh, that anyone was aware of uh, for these girls. Um, they were highlighted uh, as children that were in need of um, family finding because they weren't having any visits with anyone and there was no clear discharge plan for them. Um, when the permanency specialist started working with these girls and their families, what was discovered is that the girls, the, the girl's mother had relocated to New York State from Puerto Rico, but the family actually, they there was an extensive um, a family system back in Puerto Rico that had not been explored. And so with the assistance of one of our Hillside staff who was bilingual, we were able to reach out to the family in Puerto Rico. And uh, after some work um, with the county and with the family down there, um, arrangements were made for the uh, grandmother of these girls and the father of the girls to fly up here to Rochester um, to get reacquainted with the the girls because they had been living in New York State for several years and had not been in contact with their father or their grandmother. Um, and to make a long story short, after several visits and some family court hearings right here in Monroe County, um, a decision was made that the girls could go and live with their father and grandmother. So three girls who would have really been stuck in the system for many years were able to get reunited with family and uh, move out of the system through family finding efforts. Marsha, go ahead. We're going to re respond. You know, what I was thinking as Tess was speaking is is the beauty of what we do, that no stone is left uncovered. And, uh, you know, traditionally, we would have thought, oh, they're in Puerto Rico, we can't do anything. But, it, you know, as you talk about the diligence and the support and, and recognize that it's not an option. Children deserves a family. And, you know, one of the things that we're proud of is to say we believe that. You know, we believe that wholeheartedly that children deserves a family and what lengths we would go to to do that. And I'm sure Tess could share many, many stories that speaks to that, that we don't give up. We, we keep poking and poking and poking. And sometimes when it's even uncomfortable, we poke a little bit more. And that is what I appreciate and embrace so much being in this department, that we recognize that and, and, and we embrace it. And, and you know what's particularly beautiful about this story is that the siblings remain together, those three young ladies. And what we know in, in working in the foster care and child welfare system is too often siblings are separated because they don't have resources to care for them as a family unit. And we hear this directly from foster children. And so this is a beautiful story to highlight finding family members, and reuniting all of the three young ladies with family is, is truly a blessing. 
and so good for them as they continue to grow and thrive and transition to adulthood. I love that story, Tess. Yeah. I love that and story. I think, Maria, you're right in that we often think about our lifetime partners being our spouse or our significant other, but the truth is your siblings are your true lifetime partners. They're there from the beginning to the end. Um, usually your spouse or significant other might come in at some point in your lifetime, but for most people, that's their most lifelong uh, relationship is with siblings. And um, yeah, we try really hard in the IFC to make sure sibling connections are maintained. And I, th- and I think in some cases too, what I've seen um, in addition to what Tessa said is that we're not fearful to advocate. Um, you know, traditionally, traditional system may say mom is this or dad is this, but we advocate for, for togetherness. Obviously, we always assess safety, of course, but we we also see the redeeming qualities in our families as well and the supports that they need and that children don't get to choose their families. It, it is who they are, and we embrace that, and, and sometimes we help rewrite that story and that narrative because we know that our pen is so very powerful and what's been said about families become fact and become becomes their history. So what I appreciate is that we have an opportunity to rewrite some of that and help support some of that and to say why children deserve to be in those environments. You know, Marcia, that's a good point to raise up for discussion for our audience today about people do change. Family members, parents do change. And part of the advocacy in doing permanency work is the recognition that people change and the ability for them to take on uh, a, a child, their children, as a, a stable, permanent uh home for them or as a resource, but the openness to considering that people do change and, uh, you know, what they might have been involved with prior and where they are today may be very different, those circumstances. And to your point that children don't choose their families, right? And, And they long for connections to their families. So why don't um, either you or Tess highlight some of that systems change work over the past decade that has evolved with our strategic partners, whether it be family members, county partners, our own teams internal to Hillside? Uh, well, I think over time, I, I, th- I especially think with the implementation of Family First, there's a st- uh, clear recognition that families really need to come first. And what can we do to help this family successfully care for their child as opposed to say, oh, this family's got problems. We need to move the child and put them somewhere else. How can we support these families? There's a lot more support for kinship care. Uh, And we know that children that are placed in kinship care, whether it's with relatives, their grandparent, whomever, uh, have more stability than children that are placed in traditional foster care and have... um, have better outcomes. So kids belong with their families. And we as a system, I think, have uh, come to realize that at a a deeper level and are doing more things to support families, to keep families together. Hillside's always had a history of providing preventive services, but I think the Family First Act now uh, really puts more pressure on the whole system to do whatever we can to support families so they can care for their own children. Maria, one of the things I wanted to also highlight, too, is 
birthed out of family first is the we we launched our permanency workflow, our system of care permanency workflow. And that's really assessing every child that comes into into our doors, whether it's in residential or in our community-based program, and assessing what their permanency um, needs are. So from, from admission, we know that this child is at marginal, fair, poor, whatever it may be. And the hope is that we will have some permanency intervention, whether it's family finding our, our permanency roundtable, as acronym is PRTs, or our, our Wendy's Wonderful um, Kids Recruiter, whatever it may be, our slew of permanency services that we assess from, from that that point. And it gives, it's not an afterthought. It's intentional. It's saying that at at admission, this is where this child is, and what what permanent intervention is is needed. The other thing that we can that we are proud of is that we have permanency specialists on all our campuses that is doing the intentional work. So even with these permanency workflows, to to um, that we know from from the get go, this is what we need to work on. It's not six months later. Did we do a PRT? Did we refer family finding? It's right up front that we know we take the guesswork out of it because we know permanency is the key and permanency works. Marcia, that's so very important when we think about what we believe in and what we communicate to families when they begin working with us, to our our county partners, and, and certainly the Office of Children and Family Services at the state level, is the intentionality of investing resources up front to make sure that families on the preventive side have what they need to be able to continue to care for their children And if they need an intervention like residential treatment, that it's short and focused and the intentional work with family members on day one to make sure that the child has a caring adult, at least one, if not more, to return back to the community. So critically important. Well, we probably have time for one more favorite story. Okay. Um, well, we recently did a training uh, for St. Catharines. So this is a, a, a story out of St. Catharines. They were an, an agency in Albany that was interested in getting family finding training. Um, and uh, after we trained them, they had a young man who was um, aging out of the system. His mother had um, passed away while he was in care at St. Catharines, and they really had no plan for him. And after they received family finding training, they realized no one had really ever explored the paternal side of this youth's family. Uh, they'd always dealt with mother and maternal relatives, and there wasn't any resources. And they were able to use family finding, locate paternal relatives in Florida, and um, they were able to, to, I'd say, reunite, but unite this boy with his paternal side of his family. Um, and he is now um, going to live with paternal relatives uh, after spending many, many years in care. Now, it's a shame that it wasn't done earlier, but it's good that it was done so that at least now he does know those relatives. Um, so, I mean, family finding is never too late. We really, you know, as Marcia said, we really want to start as early as possible when children don't have a clear plan for permanency. Uh, let's get working on it right away so we don't have kids linger, linger in care. Um, but even for these older kids who've been in care for many years, it's never too late to do family finding. And I think, Tess, to add to that, too, is that it's important to get the buy-in as well. Um, we recognize 
we believe it works. We know it works. We've seen it work. Um, but it, it's going to work just as best as the buy-in is. So, you know, one of the things when I was over here smiling, you couldn't see, um, when you talked about St. Catharines, they have the buy-in. Here we have the buy-in, hence the reason why we have permanency specialists all throughout. Um, so it's one of those things that it, and it has to, we have to do the model to fidelity as well. In some cases we've seen, um, that they'll do some stages, some parts of the stages of it, but it needs to be done to fidelity. And we stand by it. We believe in it um, because we've seen results such as the stories that Tess has talked about. And, and there is no greater way to wrap up our conversation than think about a successful uh, reunification of a child, children with family members, and uh, the focus on being intentional about families and connecting children with their families back in community. So when we think about our philosophy of service being family-driven and and youth-guided, that is so very important to make sure that children go on to thrive as children and young adults. Everyone needs family, folks. And I think that's the message that we want to leave with you today is, is Hillside believes in that and our our partners that are working with us. Everyone deserves connection to family. That is what the Institute for Family Connections is all about. I'm deeply appreciative that Marsha Whitley, our director, Tess Minkin-Weatherspoon, our manager, has joined me today for this conversation and to be part of this incredible team at Hillside. You could go to hillside.com and click on careers and join our team to work as a permanency specialist or any one of the roles that we have identified where we need more team members. Please come join our team and help to work on strengthening families and working with families. We'd love to have you. And if you have questions about the Institute for Family Connections, you can call 585-256-7500 and ask to speak with Marsha. She'd be glad to answer your questions. Thank you for joining us today. Marsha, Tess, thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you.